The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett, clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. And joining us today is also Hera the Cat. Welcome, Hera. (laughs) She didn't want to be left out. So, today we are going to be going over Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. Ah, there you are, Harry. Hermione and Ron are already at my death day party. At my party, there's maggoty haggis, fairy green cheese, and a tombstone cake. Delicious, eh? Come on, Harry. You don't want to miss the celebrations. I really do think that this will be a death day to remember. I have a special death day speech prepared. So it seems that in this series, even ghosts can feel excluded and alienated. Harry finds a distraught, nearly headless Nick, the ghost of Gryffindor Tower. Hello! How are you? Welcome to Gryffindor. Nick was denied participation in the headless hunt because he didn't fulfill their requirements, and he's just soaking in a corridor. Hello, Sir Nicholas. Have a nice summer. Dismal. Once again, my request to join the headless hunt has been denied. Although Nick was hacked 45 times in the neck with a blunt axe, his head was still held on by half an inch of skin and sinew. He wasn't fully decapitated, and that wasn't enough for the headless hunt. So Nick was left out. Nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? Like this. He was excluded, and he was very hurt by this. Even though he's a ghost, poor nearly headless Nick, right? I know. You know, I think that exclusion is an extreme form of bullying where people or ghosts in this manner are left to feel like they're not good enough to join this group. And the headless hunt really is a group. And yes, it's also a sport, and which might make it difficult for like to participate, but at the very least, he should be invited to their events or there could be some adjustments made for his specific situation and his specific body type. I think that it's 
perhaps a type of ghost discrimination that we're seeing. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Poor ghost. Interestingly enough, after chatting with Nick, Harry gets into trouble with Argus Filch, the Hogwarts caretaker. While in Filch's office, Harry discovers a glossy purple envelope from Quickspell, a correspondence course in beginner's magic. Apparently, Filch is a squib. A squib is essentially a person from the magical world who cannot perform magic. What are your thoughts on squibs and the introduction to this minority in the magical world? I think, again, the the fact that they're different, I imagine, is really, really painful for someone like Filch. If he was born to magical parents, to be a squib is probably one of the worst feelings that a person can experience because, unfortunately, due to their lack of certain activities or certain abilities, they're likely to be excluded from Hogwarts and from a lot of social events. They're likely to be shamed or talked about. I know that for the longest time, Neville was worried that he was a squib and his family was worried about the exact same thing. And I think that unfortunately, so many societies have this expectation that everyone should be the same. For example, in like worldwide, there's the stereotype that everyone should be the same on, let's say, a neurotypical level. And yet, as we know, the human function and ability and understanding is diverse and i think the same applies to magical abilities and for someone like filch i imagine this is something that probably broke his heart i really admire dumbledore for bringing him in and giving him a job and allowing him to still be a part of hogwarts and i think it's really heartbreaking when we see how hard he's trying to learn magic to fit into the magical society he was probably a squib his whole life and here he is an older caretaker for hogwarts and he's still trying to learn after all this time he must have went through a lot i imagine he did and i think that this is something a lot of people go through people who function differently from others probably spend their entire lives trying to fit into the world that might otherwise reject them. You know, unfortunately, we live in an ableist society. And what that means is most people expect that they and everybody around them will be able to perform certain tasks, for example, running, walking, standing, right? And people with certain physical disabilities might not be able to do so. And to me, when I read it, this was a metaphor. And again, I don't know what J.K. Rowling was implying or what she was creating this metaphor for, if it is a metaphor. But to me as a reader, I interpreted this to be a powerful metaphor for the cruelty of certain societies of certain situations where people who are either neurotypically or physiologically somehow different from others are likely to find themselves not being accepted. For example, in New York, the busiest city in the world, the majority of subways don't have an elevator, which means mm -hmm. that people with physical disabilities, people who are not able to walk, for instance, are unable to get around New York without taking a very expensive taxi or Lyft or Uber. And so I think that with Filch, we're essentially seeing an example of this. We're seeing somebody who has a magical disability, if you will, and unfortunately in this society, are possibly treated as a second-class citizen as a result. Wow, that was really interesting correlation there. 
After seeing Harry be dragged off by Filch, nearly headless Nick has the Hogwarts poltergeist Peeves cause a loud distraction. How cool is it that ghosts can be these empathic creatures and have friendships with the living? I think that's so lovely. I think that Nick's friendship with Harry is so special. It, I mean, it, it made me want to be friends with Nick. And, and who wouldn't want to be his friend? He's just so lovable and the fact that he's looking out for harry i think shows that his heart is in the right place and i think also shows that he's somebody that would make a really good friend speaking of friendships nearly headless nick invites harry to his 500th death day party on halloween even even though harry knows nothing of what attending this party actually entails he remains compassionate and promises to attend with ron and hermione Besides this being somewhat of an honor, being alive and invited to a death day party, what does this situation suggest about Harry's personality and his connection with other characters in this world? Well, again, as you said, he is a very compassionate boy because he himself was bullied and excluded. He knows what that's like. And so when Nearly Headless Nick tells him that the Headless Hunt has excluded him, I think Harry really wants to help he always wants to do the right thing sometimes his actions are not right but he's always trying to be helpful and supportive and i think he's also someone who tries really hard to keep his word because he values being honorable and reliable and so even though he's a little unsure about it and there's a time when he and his friends are hungry and they realize that they can't have any food at the death day party he still chooses to stay out of his commitment to his word and out of his desire to help nick well you brought up the food at the death day party and i found it really interesting that ghost offered harry and his friends this rotted and putrefied food i mean ghosts used to be alive right and they don't eat wouldn't they have been more mindful about their guests in this situation? You know, that's a common assumption. However, if we remember ghosts are no longer living. And as a result of that, they can't smell foods. They can't taste foods. So they might not realize that the food is not edible. And I equated to somebody who is well-meaning who might not realize how somebody with allergies might react to certain foods, right? So for example, if someone has uh, a nut allergy, uh, a well-meaning host might offer them a cake and not realize that a walnut is also an allergen just as a peanut might be and that some nuts cross-contaminate and that certain ingredients that we put in our food might be very toxic to someone else. And so I think that even the living are guilty of something like this when it doesn't affect us directly, we might not always be very mindful, very thoughtful, or very considerate, not out of malice, but because we just might not realize what we're doing. So in this chapter, we're briefly introduced to Moaning Myrtle. And I mean, it's brief, but what are your thoughts about this quick use of foreshadowing? Because she's a big character later on. Well, I, I think it's always exciting when we have like a brief snippet of a certain character, because the next time when we actually meet them more officially and spend more time with that character, there's kind of a sense of familiarity if we heard their name or if we've seen them briefly before. Whereas if we're just introduced to them, I think we might be a little bit put off, but I think there's almost like an element of trust when we meet a character on one page and then spend more time with them on another. For sure. 
So when leaving the party, or should I say when leaving the death day party, Harry hears the voices in his head again. They're saying things like rip and tear and kill and so hungry for so long, things like that. He tries to follow the voice with Ron and Hermione running behind him. voice. I heard it first in Lockhart's office, and then again, just... It's moving. I think it's going to kill. Kill? Harry, wait! Not so fast! What does this say about friendships and trust? Well, Harry looks extremely distressed, and so his friends, who are very supportive and, and true and loyal friends follow his lead they might not fully believe that he's hearing voices but nevertheless they are there to support him and i think that's a sign of a good friendship you know if any of my friends were hearing voices i would certainly want to follow them and make sure that they're safe and make sure that they're okay and i think that the kind of friends that harry has are the kind of friends that i think any of us would wish for yeah i mean they're fantastic they didn't even question anything and he's just like saying it's gonna kill somebody <laughs> but they didn't even question it they just followed their buddy i appreciate that a lot so eventually they run into a blood-soaked message on the wall stating that the chamber of secrets has been opened enemies of the air beware they also see filch's cat mrs norris hanging but we'll get more in depth into this development on the next episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill. We also have a very special announcement. We have just launched our own Patreon page where if you'd like, you can subscribe and support us. Our goal is to continue providing episodes of Harry Potter Therapy as well as our other podcast, Superhero Therapy, in order to help individuals who might need to learn mental health skills or uh, people who are interested in learning about psychology through the lens of fiction. 10% of our profits will be donated to a variety of mental health organizations such as RAIN and the Crisis Text Hotline. If you're interested, check us out on Patreon.com. You can look for Superhero Therapy, look at the number of tiers that we have. Feel free to pick one if you'd like. We really appreciate your support. You're very magical and have a wonderful day.